Hi, I'm your host, Susan Nay. Welcome to the podcast series, HR Inside Out. It's a series designed to help you demystify HR and the human resource processes. We're going to talk about people management and get the goods on and see how all this stuff works. You're going to hear from everyday heroes and get their perspectives as we touch on a wide variety of topics, topics that impact us in our work and in our work environments. You'll find nuggets for your treasure chest of learning. Hopefully you'll discover insights for your personal and your professional growth. I'm glad you're here. I suspect it's because you want to be the very best version of yourself, your personal best, and that you get understanding these systems and processes will help you on your journey, on your path. You ready to dare to soar? Want to join me at flight school? Let's do this. Thanks for joining me today. Hi, welcome to the podcast series, HR Inside Out, Demystifying HR and People Management. I'm your host, Susan Nay. Our work teams are comprised of multi-generations and research indicates that each of those tends to have specific preferences and characteristics. I'm delighted to introduce you to a current work colleague, Amal Anup, to chat today about one of these, Gen Z. Amal works as an HR associate in classification and compensation at Kaplan University in North Vancouver, British Columbia. He's originally from Kochi, Kerala in India. I hope I pronounced those correctly. <laughs> that was perfect. Good. Welcome, Amal, and thank you for agreeing to be with us today. I must thank you, Susan. It's an honor and it's a pleasure to be here in this podcast. And thank you so much for inviting me. Well, I'm looking forward to learning way more about Gen Z. And so before we start, now I understand it's individuals that are born in around the mid-1990s until about 2012 who are considered Gen Z. So these individuals would be relatively early in their careers, if not, if just not entering the workforce for the the latter years of that. Right. Now, I know you consider yourself a Gen Z, but you're also a late millennial because right. some of the dates um, defining the generational groupings vary and you absolutely live this stuff. You're right. kind of, you know, the end of one and the, and the beginning of another one. Correct. I've really enjoyed learning both from you and more about you through several YouTube videos that you've either created or been involved in. And by the way, congratulations on winning the student video contest sponsored by uh, CHRP, the BC and Yukon Professional HR Association. Nicely done. Thank you so much. Now, in these videos, you talk about your experiences, both as an international student, Mm -hmm. as a recent immigrant, but also as an HR professional association uh, CPHR candidate. Over the past five months, I've also had the opportunity to work with you and learned quickly that you could always diagnose my technology problems. (laughs) Your comfort with technology is obvious and it is one of the defining characteristics of the Z generation. So I'd love to start there. As an example, you've just taken on this new role. Um, You'd been an HR associate before, but specifically on classifications and compensation. But as part of learning your new responsibilities, you digitalized it. 
and enable the computer to do much of what was previously done manually. It's awesome. Right. <laughs> but also on your own initiative, you're creating an app called, I think it's called Humor. Yes. And employees will be able to use that to receive immediate answers to common questions that are currently taking time from the HR team. Uh, literally, I'm amazed and incredibly impressed. Can you tell us a little bit more, first of all, about these two initiatives? Totally. So um, when I started here, so I started as a student here, and I also did my practicum program, and then transitioned into the assistant role and then associate and uh, no associate specifically dealing with uh, compensation and classification. So um, me as a person who has grown up, or kind of like, uh, known the basics of HR, working here at CAP, uh, I've seen how, how technology can be improved. We've been doing a lot of manual uh, entries and inputs, which we, we have an amazing team and they're really good at it. So uh, just because they do it, I thought, why should, we, why should we actually spend so much of our time and efforts on entering details or doing calculations that the computer can do when they can use all their resource, all their amazing skills and experience in doing something creative or productive for the people. So that was the starting point of all the initiatives that I've kind of like, I've done in, in a very small scale or these relatively bigger projects. So talking about these two initiatives to be specific, the first one is called Humor with uh, capitalized H, R, and R of humor, okay, which okay. sounds, <laughs> which yes, sounds yes. Yeah, for <laughs> HR. So uh, we've been receiving a lot of questions from people and uh, especially with an organization like, like ours with uh, over a thousand uh, employees, mm -hmm. they'll have questions and uh, uh, we might not be available 24 seven to answer their questions or kind of like guide them uh, to the solutions that are probably available in our database. So that was a starting point of uh, kind of like bringing in a project like that. So uh, I think it's basically the need for access to information. And I think that can be automated mm -hmm. instead of a person being there or like an HR assistant or an individual uh, being there to support uh, people, why not add all that information? Why not gather all that information from all the members of HR or like benefits and payroll and put that in a system which can always serve people and also take inputs. So that was the whole thought process behind it. It's actually in a beta testing stage and uh, hopefully we'll be able to roll, roll that out pretty soon. And uh, wow. that was the first process. Well, and the other great thing about that is that it enables people to do more interesting parts of their job instead Correct. of constantly answering the same questions from, um, from people. Yeah, oh, I just, yeah. yeah. <laughs> cool. Now, it, it, this obviously comes very naturally to you, um, which also takes me to one of your YouTube videos. Now, did you want to say anything about the two initiatives before we move on? Um, probably. Oh, yeah. I mean, maybe I could just add on to uh, the, the the reclassification. Oh, okay. Initiative. The, the the. I mean, it's just it's it's very similar to like the the whole idea or thought process behind that is just again the same thing to. Mm -hmm kind of use our energies towards uh, probably the goals of like Envision 2030, because there are mm -hmm. lots of things that we have to achieve as a, as a university that is going towards a lot of things out there. So that was my whole thought process. So again, reclassification was a very manual process and we are trying to make it more automated. And uh, the first part of it is almost done. And that has actually reduced the, the whole data entry part 
by probably half the time. So, yeah. Also, so, what, a, what, a, what a great way to learn a new skill as well, because, correct. you know, you're needing to really understand the rules behind something to be able to digitalize it, you know, to, to find a, an automated automate, auto, a way of automating it. That is correct. Yes. Yeah, I can't even say it. <laughs> no. You're breathing and I can't even say it. So I'm, I'm going to go to one of the YouTube videos that you've done. And you, you talk about Gen Z Google things. They don't search for data. And I did do a little bit of research and, and found an article that um, uh, growingleaders.com um, had posted. And they talked about for Gen Z as an example, a smartphone is not a piece of technology. It's instead simply a part of life. Teens today are not amazed by the latest iPhone because they expect the functionality and the ease of use it delivers. Now, the article asks, how well do you capitalize on your digital world to teach and to coach students? You created your YouTube video specifically aimed at instructors, hoping that they would hear what Gen Z students need from them to be able to engage and to learn better. Now, I, I do want you to tell us more about these student experiences that you had, but I just wanna share for our listeners, Amal has a Bachelor of Science in Psychology, uh, and just in brackets, where he developed audio books for blind students in his spare time. Yes, you're getting a good sense of how incredibly talented this man is. He's also got a Master of Science degree in Industrial and Organizational Psychology. He became an international exchange student and in doing that completed his North American Business Management post-baccalaureate degree in HR Management and Personal Administration at Cap University. He has years of experience as a student and a great deal of passion in his message that we need to be teaching differently to engaged Gen Z students. Amal, if you can tell us more about this, and of course, it also likely pertains to Gen Z employees. Sure. Um, first of all, thank you so much for all those uh, nice words. It's it's really. Uh, I mean, I must say that it's 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 so much better to hear from someone like you about all these things. And it, <laughs> for for me personally, I, I value it a lot. Like especially for some people that we look up to and it's it's amazing to kind of like that's a lot uh, of hard all those work. Nice work. <laughs> a lot of hard work yeah. on your part that's a lot of degrees yeah anyways uh, hey well let's get on what's what's, cool, what's cool. all this about <laughs> yes uh, so uh, for as a gen is it or kind of like uh, partially millennial but then a gen is it myself i think one of the biggest problems that i've faced growing up as a student like especially i come from uh, a culture that is that is much different that has a much different education system than Canada. So growing up, one of the biggest challenges is uh, our confinement to the textbooks or like a lot of theoretical knowledge um, as opposed to the functionality or kind of like creatively applying your skills or, uh, you know, so most of our education, I'll just keep it simple. Our education system is focused more on memorizing stuff and mm -hmm. learning the theoretical aspects of a specific uh, concept, as opposed to actually like getting in there and doing it or learning it by yourself. Okay. So that, is, that, that became a huge gap and that uh, resulted in a huge uh, crisis of like educated unemployed in, in India. So that's one of the biggest uh, problems that we have there. It's not the hard skills. Of course, there are 
intelligent people that are amazing people. People are really good at like doing a lot of stuff, but they're completely focused on developing their hard skills and not the soft skills. Mm. So when I got the opportunity to become the first exchange student from my institution, like back there, and I, I went to Japan, like, so I did almost a semester in Japan. That was the first uh, experience for me coming outside of my country and seeing the education system. And it was completely different. The way that we were seeing things, the, the, the way in which uh, the projects or assignments are done, it was all different. So then it was kind of, uh, it, it was just, I would say it was an insight uh, for me. And coming back, then I, I used to compare every single thing. Uh, what do we need to do? Because uh, the education system back there was becoming more and more ineffective in terms mm. of its output. So why are we learning this? Why are we spending so much of time inside of the classroom while we should be doing projects? Why should we should be doing presentations? We should be doing practicums or internships. So mm-hmm. that was my whole idea of like communicating this to the teachers. You know what? Yes, we need theory. Yes, we need textbooks, but we need to think beyond that. Mm-hmm. And we were lacking a lot of those things. And that actually created this problem of not developing soft skills and resulting in a lot of uh, educated, unemployed people. So I think Gen is at, so especially when you're teaching or when you're giving an opportunity to Gen is that the whole idea or the whole idea of like education or orientation or interviewing, this, it's, it's a completely different scenario. That's what I've seen growing up. Yes. So some of your experience in Japan then started to highlight for you um, that it could be done differently. That and awesome. in coming to CAPU and doing the uh, post-baccalaureate program, did you see uh, an intermingling of kind of that uh, theoretical and, and practical application? I did. Um, at first, uh, we come from a place where you're inside the classroom for almost seven hours, seven to eight hours at a stretch. Mm-hmm. But, um, so the first idea, it was like, for me, it was mind blowing when you come to know that, okay, there's one class per week, but that class might be for like three hours, but that's it. But for, for a person coming from a different background, I said, what are we going to do in that three hours? But then you come to know that it's, it's a lot of your research and your work and creativity that okay. really matters. So for me, I think I, it was really a huge learning curve for me. But at the same time, I was able to do my best. Or I know a lot of my friends who never used to be like considered extroverts or who weren't really good at academics, who didn't mm-hmm. get good marks in our culture, they used to perform really well. Because okay. this was a system where you could, every single person can explore their own skill set. It's just because you don't speak well, it doesn't mean that you are left alone in a group. So you get to do stuff like writing, or you can create a presentation. But there are people who are really good at talking, they do the like the oral presentation and stuff. So every single person will have a spot which was lacking in back there when we grew up. So for me coming here and experiencing this education system right here, it was amazing. And I was able to understand how much of potential did I not explore or uh, was left unexplored in me. Mm -hmm. And uh, me as a janitor, it was such an amazing experience coming here and learning a lot of things. And I'm going to ask us some other questions further along in the interview um, about that creativity and, and nurturing that. Um, so 
I'm going to take us to, so thank you. Um, and nice to hear that our education system here is, is um, getting better, better grades and getting <laughs> marks than um, perhaps in other, other areas of the world. Um, in another article that I took a look at, uh, this one was from Discus with the writer Catherine LaBarbera. She shared an interesting statistic that before the age of 15, the average Gen Z consumer has seen around 200,000 marketing messages. And that at a certain point, all of these mundane text heavy messages kind of just blend together. And so she was encouraging that visually stimulating content will help a message stand out. She talked about Gen Z uh, wishing that they desired to communicate with visuals. So that including media like articles, blogs, emails, promotional offers in, in, in those different uh, platforms will make Gen Zs feel more engaged and connected. Uh, to the content, no matter what that is. And finally, that uh, GIFs, and I did have to ask, that's called Graphics Interchange Format. For anyone who's wondering <laughs> when people use the term GIF or GIFs, um, that they're short, they're typically lasting a few seconds at most. And then the article goes on, which is perfect for Gen Z's eight second attention span compared with the 12 second attention span for millennials. Oh my goodness. And yet in your video, in one of your YouTube videos, you actually use an example of, of how you watch um, parents quickly put a movie on a personal iPad for a child. And um, it's a little different than the hundreds of dinosaurs, probably thousands of them that I draw for my daughter to keep her, her entertained uh, many years <laughs> earlier. Do you think that we need to be incorporating more visuals to insist in engagement? And, you know, although I'm asking about uh, your, your study years, um, really, these do pertain to employment years because those usually follow directly afterwards. What are your thoughts? Um, I think that is correct. And I would say I completely agree to that. Um, I think we are bombarded with all these like visual information and short videos and that actually shows that reflects the number of viewers for stream streaming platforms like YouTube or like short videos on Instagrams and like Facebook. So a, a tendency that we are seeing or a kind of like um, what we are seeing these days is the messages are getting shorter and like less than 30 seconds. Like say if you try to put a message on WhatsApp or status, it's for 30 seconds. So they put that 30 seconds for a reason because uh, people are... They're so, um, I don't know, caught up in uh, exploring as much as they can in an hour rather than mm. watching. So, I mean, I don't know whether I'm, I'm using the right words here, but then uh, Gen Zers, including me, I would rather watch probably 10 different topics in an hour rather okay. than one long uh, one hour video. And that's probably one of the reasons why we have bookmarks even in videos like chapters so that you can skip to the, 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 the most interesting <laughs> part <laughs> in a video. And okay, uh, okay. you're seeing that more and more often. So I think the span of attention is real and uh, visual information 
communicates much, much, much easily or easier than uh, uh, than a lot of text messages. I, I know for sure you've seen some of my videos, and I've tried to keep all the slides to probably ten to twelve, or mm -hmm. if there are more slides, they might not have like no text, zero text at all. It mm -hmm. might be just a graphic or just an image of it. So I think it communicates much better, and it also gives you a platform or a way to kind of like uh, make it more, um, I would say when, when, when you use text, especially in this generation, I guess you're limiting them to just that. Mm -hmm. But if you're putting a visual and asking them to kind of like explore, uh, I think it, sh it should be much better because okay. we are living in a world where we are constantly simulated by visuals and visuals, videos mm -hmm. and everything. So maybe uh, the, like the previous generations were simulated by words, like they were surrounded by books. And so they could use their creativity even from the letters and the words. But right now, I think we need a video or okay. a visual. And so I, I think it's been very effective, at least personally for me. And I've taken, uh, I've had the opportunity to take classes even for like from fifth graders to until like probably second year grads and mm -hmm. it's worked every single time so that's interesting. what i can say interesting um and where my head goes um is that you know when you see someone fully focused on electronics they're not engaging with others and where they do engage it's frequently through those electronic gadgets now, given that your background is in psychology, and of course, you're an HR professional as well, are you seeing any impact of this with regard to um, social impact and people's ability, you know, those soft skills that we talked about before? Um, what, what are you seeing? Uh, I mean, the way that I see things here are like, I, I, I think I'm both social and at the same time technology oriented you know mm -hmm. what I mean so uh it's just because my parents had a mix of books like so probably it came from that my dad used to be very technical like he used to be interested in electronics and used in a way to a lot of those things but my mom was more social she's uh she's a professor for almost 30 years uh now so I think I got the balance of both like mm -hmm. best of both worlds from there I don't know if I'm like good at either of these but I'm pretty sure that I've got uh, yeah. you know elements from both but that balance is something that I think I personally uh, feel that the gen zers are lacking because I think they're too focused on uh, the visual like tools or electronics that in, in a way that so yesterday just an example when I was texting one of my friends I found that uh, WhatsApp has introduced much more like a, a new emojis to convey your emotions so you know what I mean it's it, it, it is making our so I mean you could call people, there used to be a time when I think that face-to-face -face conversations, I still believe that face-to-face -face conversations are the best. And I always prefer doing an in-person session rather than doing a webinar, period. Mm -hmm. Although I, I endorse technology, like I love technology, doing everything, but nothing beats an in-person or a visual like you know, communication style where you are in a direct conversation. But especially with the new technology and the pandemic, people are trying to express themselves more through the emojis and through mm -hmm. statuses, through updates and through abstract concepts that are really, um, uh, you know, um, uh, altering the human emotions or like genuine emotions. And people might reach a situation where you cannot really express your emotions when you're meeting uh, directly or meeting in person. So mm -hmm. I, I do think that, yes, 
everything is good. Like, you know, as, as a part of like moving forward, and, and, uh, there are a lot of like limitations uh, we have right now because I'm talking to my parents just because of the technology that we have today. Yes, yes. And we have Skype because they're thousands of miles away, but mm-hmm, I can still mm-hmm. talk to them. I can still see them. So yes. what I would do is that I would take the best of both worlds and balance it. And that is really, really essential when you're kind of like even hiring gen visitors uh, and also for the students as well. So that balance of having technology and improving social skills should go hand in hand. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> that's my take on it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and what I was going to ask is, um, you know, what can we do to counter this? And you've used a wonderful example of, you know, it sounds like your the your your upbringing um, gave you that that lovely balance of of the you know development of social skills, but also um, development of the ability to communicate via technology. And you talked a little bit about this in your YouTube video on resilience that technology can pull us back into the screen, but we have to learn how to be able to personally regulate this. So it, 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 it can become a choice, which means that it is a choice. Um, right. So that needs to be encouraged. Because in our, in our, and I realize that the pandemic has made it very different and very difficult, That's but right. we are coming out of the pandemic. And so these are skills that we're gonna need to develop. Correct. And and maybe that just that kindness and that patience um, where people are feeling less certain um, of yeah. those in-person experiences uh, would be a good thing, uh, both as students and, and employment situations. That's great. Now, it's also been suggested that Gen Z seek frequent feedback to help them see and measure their personal performance. Um, do you think that's accurate? Like frequent feedback, like that they're just not willing to wait for the, the annual performance review. I don't know this would be specific to this generation, but I do hear and read that it's more focused and more, more um, a higher priority for this generation. Right. Would you agree with that? I think yes, because um, I, I kind of agree to it, although that statement was like, you know, it, it was it was an eye opener for me, too. But then when I was like, when you just said that, I was thinking back and I think it does make a lot of sense uh, because we are living at an era where you kind of like get instant gratification or like yeah. you're kind of like you're getting there is no uncertainty. You know what I mean? Like a lot of those things are certain. Like, for example, you're you know, like, uh, I was, I, I came like today, I had to pick up one of my family friends from the airport. All he had to do is send the flight number and I could just keep track of it. So you know yeah. that you're coming and he'll be here in so-and-so time. And it was early by like 15 minutes and you're updated like real time. So that's the kind of certainty we have on most of the things. So when it comes to performance management or any of the, the, the areas where uh, it is less certain, like, you know, most of our traditional processes take the six month cycle, probably like in one year cycle. I don't think people are willing to wait for so long to see mm-hmm. whether I'm, am I doing it right or wrong. If there is something as instant as a daily feedback or like a performance management thing that gives them instant feedback. So probably that might not work in every work situation, mm-hmm. but then something that's much more updated or something that is more real time gives you, uh, I, I think keeps them motivated much, much 
hire because that's that's one of the reasons why we have like a lot of new employees like i've personally seen a lot of new employees who were hired uh, after i joined it uh, the organization a lot of people were kind of interested in looking for other opportunities and and especially during the pandemic people just leave their jobs that's partially <laughs> due to one of the the, the the biggest problems that we are facing right now and i think constant feedback or not getting frequent feedbacks could be one of the reasons i'm i i won't say that that is the only reason but that could be one of the reasons why we are seeing that trend yeah i, I could see that contributing for sure do you think yeah. things like gaming um have contributed to that i would say yes and the kind of response times are insane like if oh. you see the, because <laughs> yes. I mean, uh, the people are becoming so and so more focused on that. And um, just just to put some, uh, just to put a, a technical like term here, it's called the the refresh rates of the screen. So when the new uh, the technology companies were bringing higher refresh rates, like. 90 hertz, like 120 hertz. I was thinking, what difference does it make? But when they were making that side-by-side comparison, all it does is that it makes uh, swiping and scrolling smoother on the screen. So that mm-hmm. itself shows that our mind is evolving in such a way yeah. that you can process that information r- real quick. Can you imagine doing the same uh, with an internet, internet connection back in like 2000s or like early 2000s? Mm-hmm. Even the internet wasn't ready for it. So we were ready to wait. We were patient. But yeah. right now we... We are so focused on the internet speed, the latency, the, the refresh rates and everything. So uh, in, in a world where everything is instant and you're getting gratified right away, I think it's changed everything. And gaming, it is a, it's a huge contributing factor for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. And, and you've grown up with it as opposed to, you know, I, I can look back and oh, I'm embarrassed to say, I remember sending my first fax and being absolutely amazed that you know I sent something in Toronto and it arrived on a desk in in, in Montreal um, and so you know all of this is just um, mind-blowing to me but you grew up with it it's like this is your this is your norm exactly. um, so when we talk about more frequent feedback I also read about Gen Z being motivated by more frequent rewards um, and it's interesting in one of the articles that I was reading, this one going back to the growingleaders.com, that we must equip our students to sustain their interest, even when the rewards are not vis- visible at first. Um, the recognition, it's about offering frequent rewards, um, and that these are often used to incentivize and to encourage people to stay, that the rewards can be easy, but really meaningful. And this article talks about things like points for finishing a project on time or just affirmation for reaching a goal or small gifts for hitting a deadline. And that basically once that new habit or that new motivation is sort of ingrained in that person, then it's fine to not do it anymore. But it's, it's that encouragement of learning. And, you know, they ask, how could you provide rapid rewards for great performance and they remind us to remember that what gets rewarded gets repeated and of course you know you said and you get retention too people actually choose to stay and I start thinking about those teaching moments where both in capturing you know somebody doing something really wonderful to say something (laughs) which we're not good at (laughs) and also when you catch somebody where you where something can be tweaked of using that moment then. 
so that it doesn't become something ground, you know, down the road when the person doesn't even know that right. could have done it differently. Um, and again, this, you know, might this be a result of the gaming, those rewards, um, you know, being able to purchase, I, I have a partner who uh, holds himself back from investing in more of more and more of the, the little things that you can buy that enable you to get to the next levels or to protect yourself from the enemy. <laughs> um, and you're laughing, so you must do the same. Uh, well, I mean, um, I used to be interested in gaming like quite a quite a while ago. So probably before I took the subject, like you know, before I took psychology. It's not because, to be honest, it's not because of the subject that I like I stayed away from gaming, but it's just, I just lost interest somewhere. But if I were gaming, I know where it's going. Uh, but I, I personally, I myself see a, uh, see a lot of those traits that were just mentioned uh, in the way that I work. So um, it might not always be external motivators. It might always, like in my case, it's mostly internal. Mm -hmm. So when I'm working on a project, and this is completely normal. Like when that's when I know that I'm not mature enough in, <laughs> in certain aspects. So when I'm working on something, then I need to get it done real soon. Although that's not a deadline that none of my managers or it's not what the process or the system has told me to do. And I had this, this conversation with one of um, my um, you know, managers. I mean, I had this conversation with Michelle. So I said, you know what? I don't think I'm doing enough. Like, I don't think I can meet the deadline where there wasn't any deadline. It was something that I had inside my mind. Mm -hmm. And then I was saying, I was pushing myself too hard and I'm not doing it on time. But that's when she said, you know what? You just need to think a bit. You just, you just have to relax and you just have to understand that there are things that you need to push back and there are things that you need to invest a lot of more time, review mm -hmm. it and do it. That's when I thought, okay, why did I get stressed over thinking about all these things? So I think it's not just external. It's, it's a lot more embedded uh, in the way that we are growing up with the technology. So I kind of think that I need to do things. So there's a timeline that I give myself. Mm -hmm. And then if I don't meet it, I kind of like punish myself for not doing it. So that's a trait that I consciously try to remove every single time when I'm working on something. Mm -hmm. So I guess uh, coming to the point back again, it definitely has influenced the performance, like with immediate results, immediately finding modules, you can download some softwares and like implement it. So you get it like instantly, but when you fail to get that, even if the organization or the system or the manager, nobody exerts any pressure on your work, you yourself have a tendency to Fascinating. Uh, self evaluate yeah. and yeah. And I was, I was thinking, I was, I was just taking a break and it was like mind blowing for me. I was thinking, why did I just stress out? Like nobody has asked me to do it. Just take your time, do your stuff. But it was just me. <laughs> just and interesting. So, interesting. so you've actually internalized exactly. all of that. And again, that's where it would be really excellent as it was with Michelle coaching you and going, whoa, whoa, whoa. Um, you know, step back, take a look. Um, you know, you're creating this yourself, those teaching moments of somebody um, taking that time and having that conversation with you and, and an encouragement that that happened more in our, our work environments and, and in our teaching environments as well. Yes. You have mentioned um, a whole lot of you know, just um, 
different social platforms. Um, and I've always been intrigued about which ones, which ones are the most popular. And I think there's some that are certainly more popular with Gen Z than, than perhaps some of the other generations. Um, I'm now going to the Discus article where they talked about Facebook and Twitter being less popular with Gen Z than the more, and here we go, visually oriented platforms like YouTube, Snapchat, Instagram. Now I've just got US statistics. They said 85% of US teens use YouTube, 72% use Instagram, 69% use Snapchat, where only 51% use Facebook and 32% Twitter. And of course, those are ones that I would be more comfortable with being an older generation. You'd also talked about uh, TikTok in one of your, your videos. Um, and they said that TikTok and a VSCO, does that, is it called VSCO or Visco, a photo sharing? Uh, I, yeah, I, th I think so. I'm not sure about that, but I think Anyways, should... they're up and coming. Yeah, yeah. Now you, you'd said in one of your videos that there's been a 576% increase in the number of TikTok users over the past few years. Correct. Um, that is absolutely incredible. And I know when you start talking about different software programs out there and apps, like I, I just get lost. Right, right. It, it, it sounds as though this new, this refresh, this, this better is going to have to be part of organizations' new reality that, right. that a lot of what's being developed will quickly um, be surpassed by something else that comes out that's better. Right. And that we really need to be quite agile, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, both as organizations to be able to be the efficient, to attain the efficiencies that we can, right. but also to uh, keep the interest Correct. of Gen Z employees. Right. So uh, in, in short, like, so the, the 576% of increase of users, I, I know the statistics would be a bit different like today, but uh, that shows a kind of, span that, that resonates with the span of attention that we mentioned at the beginning of the session. Mm -hmm. So um, the way that I see it, like in orientations, especially when I was giving orientations, not in this capacity, but then I used to do it in my previous job back in India, uh, people didn't have the capacity to listen to long chunks of information. And uh, information needs to be broken down. Say, for example, you're dealing with one platform, even say like our our intranet or any any one platform, uh, you're introducing new employees to that and explaining its features. I think it's really important for them to be broken down into smaller parts and just give them the information that they needed at that point of time. And that becomes really important if you really need to get that message out there. Us creating like one long video, it's much more convenient for, for the organization as such, but that would not really be effective in terms of the whole intent behind that orientation. So the, the, this growth indicates that yes, our span of attention is coming down, but mm -hmm. at the same time, it's a really effective platform. Like millions of users are here on TikTok and it's there for a reason. And mm -hmm. they gather information, not from traditional news sources, but 
unfortunately, unfortunately, it's from Reels or like Instagram or like TikTok. That has become the main source of information. People don't even go inside the link. They just share the news as is with the heading. So I guess, uh, yeah, maybe it's not like it has its own positives and negatives, but then uh, for any organization to change or kind of to adapt in a way to accommodate gen visitors. I think it's much more important for us to break down that information into smaller chunks as well. And availability to specific information as it comes in. Say for example, you're dealing with a problem, but I think our generation is more focused on instant solutions rather than knowing the whole part of it. Mm -hmm. I mean, again, that might not be the best way to go, but breaking down that into smaller parts would really make it much more effective uh, in the learning process. So that's so one of the- It's like unpeeling the onion, right? Taking, taking something huge yes. and, and bringing it into its own segments and then yes. dealing with each of the individual layers, Yes, which then would add up. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And, I, and I apologize because I-, I we had um, for our listeners, we had a bit of a script that we're, we're working off of. And <laughs> I've skipped a couple of questions. One of the things that you talked about was that, um, and you've referred, I think back in India to seven hour long uh, full lecture days with no breaks that you've suggested that, you know, even where the, the uh, say it's a two hour lecture, it would be much more beneficial to do similarly to break it into chunks. Correct. Um, and the, the research certainly supports that as well. But you'd also talked, and you've alluded to it earlier, about um, the need for that creativity and the ability to, to learn through doing, as opposed to being lectured to, Correct. that um, whatever can be incorporated to uh, to... I guess it's about teaching, teaching to fish, not just telling how to fish. Yes. You know, going yeah. back to <laughs> exactly the beginning of time and, and uh, how we, we truly learn. Right. Um, did you want to talk a little bit more about, about, about that? I'm just. Um... Sure. So uh, about the creativity part. So uh, um, I, when growing up, I used to be, uh, I always had this idea of like, not doing it in a traditional way or like in a, doing things differently. Mm -hmm. That was always uh, at the back of my mind. Like even when I was taking over like presentations or like projects, like it would be as simple as changing the front page or it would be as simple as changing the shape of the paper to something else. I don't, I really don't know why I did that. But then mm -hmm. for me, uh, a lot of those things small things made a lot of difference. You're keeping all those presentations, like there are may, there may be like around 30 to 40 submissions of like assignments or projects. What makes your stand out? Like, I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I don't really believe in that. Okay. You do all the auxiliary stuff and have nothing inside it. No, but I used to do my work <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, yeah. It was not in the periphery though, but then small things like that did make a lot of difference. So I think, this generation, although with, with, with the kind of exposure that they're getting, like they might know much about a certain topic even before it's being taught in the classrooms or traditional classrooms. So the kind of knowledge that they have might be 
updated, maybe 2022 data, as opposed to the 2018 or 20, 2005 textbook that they will be having. So you would lose the listeners right away. We have this presentation with an outdated slide and you're showing that to a generation that has the most like updated information, you lose them right away. They lose faith in the subject and you're kind of like killing the creativity. So instead of that, I guess more effort should be put into like the broader subjects. So let's say you're dealing with something why not start with just just give it a starter and ask them to work on it what are your perspectives on this mm-hmm. how do you see things if you learn this of course you need to have a platform you need to have a background information and that is definitely needed i'm not saying that okay you need to give the whole thing to the students but still uh and the way that they develop and the way that they can bring their ideas in that really matters and i guess that will be the same thing uh, uh coming to organizations especially when you're bringing in interns or like co-ops mm-hmm. they are coming with a lot of fresh ideas right out of maybe fresh congrats or maybe out of their research and i used to do a lot more research when i was a student and because just because you you're much more free uh, mm-hmm. As opposed to when you're working, you have your timelines and you have to do stuff within that given period. But when you're a student, you're fresh with a lot of ideas. And I guess part of uh, organizational development or for a part of what we have to achieve as an organization or an institution is to nurture that creativity mm-hmm. at the beginning before killing it. <laughs> so I guess that is what uh, it really matters. So you need to tap it right at the beginning give them the opportunity to express themselves and try to just, just ask them to go wild. Yeah. I think you'd use the term rather than instructing, facilitating. Correct. Yeah. That's the the role changes more to a facilitator of learning. So the instructor is still, um, you know, the overseer and, and needs to have sufficient knowledge to direct the learning. Correct. Um, But to, you know, enable that learning differently than we're, more traditionally used to, right. Um, right? Which you know, I I get quite excited just even listening to that. But then um, I like I like to learn that way as well. And you you'd also talked about how a lot of Gen Zs would like to learn at their own pace. Yes. And you know, I could I could just personally see some pros and cons because I don't think everybody can work without some sort of target or a deadline or knowing that you know an exam has to be written it and so some people may challenge be challenged by that correct yes what i thought i understood you saying is that if that could be an option so that people that are able to learn um and can are self-motivated yes um that it would be lovely to have that option in what's being offered Yes, that that's exactly the point. Because I uh, I personally never used to be involved. So the way that when we were doing masters, it was like it was intense. It was like nine hour classes, and it was it was crazy to be honest. But uh, there used to be a lot of study sessions within the group, and people used to come to a library, take a lot of books, and for some reason, it never worked out for me. So I was a person who never went to the library, but I had tons of eBooks. Uh, I would. Like at me at this stage, I would prefer a physical book as opposed to an ebook. But this was about like five years ago, five, six yes. years ago. Uh, but I used to love ebooks because I learned, I did my bachelor's and master's with over probably hundreds of books that I had on my phone, like a tablet PC. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that was a, the, the style that I 
loved learning in. But then most of my uh, friends had the social conformity just because they there's this thing embedded. And that's what I hate the most in, in societies. Like, you know, they kind of like have a stereotype of like, oh, you are doing your master's and you need to do so-and-so uh, things and act in a so-and-so manner so that you are, you, you know, you, you've grown up, you're doing your master's, you need to do this and that. But it's completely against it. But at the end of the day, if the teachers realize the fact that, okay, it doesn't really matter, like, you know, kind of, the, it doesn't affect your marks, you're doing your presentations and you're doing good. And um, I was a, uh, I was a th- uh, third rank holder uh, in my master's, like when I completed the whole thing. So the whole intent is that, so for different people, uh, learning patterns might be different, but at the yeah, same time, performance is an indicator of it too. Just because, okay, you learn it this way, but it doesn't translate to the desired results. Maybe they need additional support or maybe they need to change their ways. And But if we let the uh, the employees do things in their own way and if they can learn things in their, at their own pace and still yield the results that we get, I don't think we need to micromanage or give them more, uh, you know, you know what mm-hmm, the traditional mm-hmm. methods might not actually work for them. But it definitely performance is as uh, uh, a performance management is required and a framework is also required. So that, that's what yeah. I think. I mean, there's no point uh, in deviating from, I mean, individual development should always go with the organizational values as well. So there needs to be mm-hmm. some, um, something to, yeah. you know, some framework to work. With. As I listen to you, I, you know, I'm thinking of Joy who uh, is putting uh, YouTubes um, or Zoom recordings on our intranet about how to access different programs so that you know again it's that visual and um i sure found that helpful just having her walk through and show the screens and and having having her there even though it was a, a recorded session so um yeah it's 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 good learning that you know that the gen z um interests i think will make it better for everybody yes because the reality is there are different learning styles and i think the earlier generations have just uh haven't quite haven't questioned or challenged and you know haven't put pressure on things being done differently um and that recognition of the diversity in learning we're, we're, we're learning about the diversity across our culture so there's diversity in learning um as well you talked about that Gen Z expect their college or university education to provide them with job skills. Mm-hmm. And you, you use the term academic entitlement that, that's tending to come with Gen Z. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you mean by academic entitlement for our listeners that will hear this <laughs> in some other context and go, I heard that on a podcast. <laughs> And any ideas of how to find the balance that might actually work? Right. Um, I think, I mean, that's, that's a term that I kind of loved using because I remember doing a lot of research when I was doing that video because that term was new to me back then. I think it was a part of a research that I did. But uh, academic entitlement, I would say, would be a product of consumerism, more of that. And I think it's more um, seen like, any academic um, programs or 
like a course that you take in a university is seen as a commodity as opposed to the the value that you kind of get from it so uh, people are more focused on the tangible things that you get from learning than uh, you know a lot of things that are not visible and mm. I think uh, it has become, especially from the culture that I come in, because I mean, I, I cannot really comment on that in, in, in the Canadian education system, but then what we can see back in my country uh, is that they just see it as a commodity. You pay the fee, you expect the university or the the, the teachers to, to equip you with so-and-so skills and give you so-and-so knowledge, prepare you for a work right out of college. But mm-hmm. that's not how things work. So uh, there is a tendency of uh, students to th- see, say, for example, uh, you've prepared. So the, the statements like, oh, I prepared really well, but then I didn't score the marks just because there's something wrong with the system. Or, or I, uh, you know what, I mean, I didn't prepare um, well just because the, 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 the just because of the attitude of the teacher or probably the teacher didn't know how to score. So there is this tendency to rationalize Almost any like of the a, stuff that- Being the victim of a system as opposed to any personal uh, accountability. That is true. And uh, yeah, I mean, th- that's the thing. So um, that is the kind of attitude that that's, that's a kind of like a negative uh, attitude that is generally seen in our generations, me included. So um, you try to f- find reasons that suits your thought process or mm. uh, to kind of like normalize it uh, instead of like being objective about why I lost a mark. So you're being less objective and you're being more subjective and uh, finding resources online to prove your fact that oh my. system is, I mean, that, that's, <laughs> I mean uh, we are living in this age where you kind of like search for say drinking yes. water uh, can cause cancer. You just search for it, and there will be some study that kind of uh, <laughs> <laughs> supports it. I mean, that's the thing. So it's much more easier to support our irrational beliefs, and which I think uh, is 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 a negative trait to uh, you know being all this information being accessible. So that is actually a byproduct of uh, academic entitlement. So you uh, you forget what you need to do or what your part is. So I the way I see education is that it just facilitates you, uh, it, it, it acts as a facilitator, like mm-hmm. even your instructor, the system, everything gives you a framework or a syllabus or a, a certain things that would potentially help you become uh, successful in the job. But that doesn't mean that they are responsible for your career success. Mm-hmm. There are stuff that I need to do on my behalf. I need to do research. I need to like think beyond Googling I need to go mm-hmm. do my mm-hmm. research and not just see degree as a tangible thing, but rather um, kind of like try to absorb everything that comes along with the education. Mm-hmm. So I guess that is one of the biggest problems that I'm seeing in this. Generation. Interesting. Interesting. And maybe something that can be incorporated in just those, those uh, realizations, you know, especially if it, there's, if there's a trending with, with the Gen Z population okay. is like, why is that happening? And how do we counter that? How do we talk about that? Yes. I mean, Uh, I would say the same uh, with organizations as well, because the moment you start working for an organization, you, a a lot of information is available out there. You tend mm -hmm. to compare like how much are like uh, others earning in the same industry? Uh, What are they doing more? Because I mean, information is so much accessible. They kind of tend to uh, go to the fine facts or like the fine details mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. every single thing. So you're most likely not to be satisfied with anything that you get. Even if you move to 
like a job that pays you much more, you would still not be satisfied just because you always think that you're right and mm -hmm. they're wrong. It's yeah, no, it's interesting because, you know, I don't know that that's unique to Gen Z, but probably what is unique is your incredible search capabilities. Yes. As you say, defined find something that actually supports a position you're taking Correct. where, where, you know, I, I just wouldn't have the patience to continue looking and would just move on to something different. <laughs> now you also talked about, and we're, we're getting close to the end of our time together, helicopter parenting. And for our listeners, I'd just like you to explain a little bit about the helicopter parenting, but how the negative impact that you're seeing this having, particularly on this generation I think it's, it's an important point to, uh, to speak on before we close. Yeah. Uh, uh, again, this is, this is, I would say very cultural, like, and it's been, it's been, I don't think it's even a gen is that factor in our cultures. It's, it's more of a, it's a, it's a, it's a very cultural thing. Helicopter founding is so, uh, but in, in simple words, it's more, uh, it talks about parents who, who pays extremely close attention to every single thing that their uh, kids do. So, uh, and this is mostly seen in terms of their academic, um, yeah, you know, um, academic life and related to their academic performance in general. Mm -hmm. So I think it's a very cultural thing. And I wouldn't say it's a generational thing, but it's more cultural. Uh, the, the reason why I think it is self-defeating is because um, I've personally seen parents complaining uh, to the teachers for the poor performance of their children. So they tend not to be reflective of their, what's going on with the, the child's life as such, because it's fate. like uh, we are humans and uh, people fail to see what your child is lacking. It might be just, he might not be, uh, you know, might have some uh, learning disabilities or maybe uh, they're going through some emotional trauma or, uh, you know, things like that. But then parents fail to go to the fine details of seeing uh, uh, kids as an individual, as opposed to just their academic performance. So helicopter parenting, um, it's not positive. That's the thing. So you're paying close attention just to uh, the marks, uh, their ranks, the, their performance in extracurricular activities, but then not going into the fine details of what their kid is as a human being mm -hmm. in total. So that, that, is actually a contributing factor to academic entitlement as well. So that's what we just discussed before. So mm -hmm. uh, helicopter parenting is one of the main reasons why we will have academic entitlement because what, what if you, you always defend your child by saying that, mm -hmm. you know what, my child is really good at it. Like I've trained him or her or them to be, uh, you know, successful in so and so things. And it's your system that's defeating my child. And they're going, they're ready to go to any lengths or to change the school or uh, give them additional tuitions and this and that. Uh, mm -hmm. So you go, <laughs> so, it's again, not, not taking that personal responsibility because the parent takes correct. it on. And actually, actually as an employee, I've had parents come and attempt to talk to, you know, me and HR um, about a job that they didn't get or about, you know, about something that was completely inappropriate and, you know, and for confidentiality, I, I couldn't talk to the parent. Right. So I, I've, I've seen a little bit of that. Right. Um, and now I, I know what it's called helicopter parenting. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Although it's a cool term. It's, it's, it's very uh, self-defeating for, for the individual, like for the students, it's, it's, it's and I, and I, 
And 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 for our listeners, I know a lot of what we've talked about. We are generalizing. These are characteristics that um, that that um, well, each of the different generations has got different characteristics that we tend to be identified by. But it doesn't mean that every single person within that generation um, exhibits those characteristics. They just they tend to be a bit stereotypical. So. Um, if you're a Gen Z listening, don't get all angry with us. <laughs> we may not be talking about you. Before we finish, are there any last thoughts or um, areas around Gen Z that you think might be helpful for our listeners? Uh, I would say like um, this initiative of yours, Susan, itself shows that the world is receptive to change and uh, just to kind of like giving them just like the half thorn effect, right? So when you pay attention or when you're just even showing an attention uh, to the specific group, of, no matter what it is, like uh, I'm not just talking about generations, but then uh, once you see or once people feel that you're listening to it, the organization is listening, teachers are listening or they're receptive to your ideas. It does make a lot of difference. You don't even have to change your practices you don't have to change your policies or like collective agreements or anything but just a thought about you know what what is your take on this like you are fresh you are new to this organization how would you deal with this we've been doing it in a different manner and i felt so much welcome when um when i was given this the new offer and uh when the management was expecting me to do like change the process like see things from your perspective that itself is like motivating. I know it's it's the learning curve should be like the steep and I have to learn a lot of new things, but that itself is motivating. So even if even if it's like hard work or if even if like all the work that you do is not interesting, that itself motivates you to do more. So I guess that is one of the factors that would inspire a lot of janitors like us. We need a lot of autonomy in terms of the work that we do, but at the same time, there needs to be, as I've mentioned before, there needs to be strongly laid out boundaries to that either. It's, it doesn't mean that you're changing everything for a generation, mm-hmm. which is because we need to be considerate about other generations as well. People operate in different manners, but um, I think the thought itself matters the most. And if you listen to them, if you give them the opportunity to do uh, what they could bring to the table would be amazing. And I've always been surprised by what... Uh, like a five-year-old can do today. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of gap that we have right now. And like, mm-hmm. this is coming from a, a Gen Z myself, but then when I compare my skills with a 10-year-old's or like a five-year-old's, I don't know. <laughs> it, it's, it's beyond what I can comprehend. So it, things are changing and change is really, really fast and rapid. Just, and, just, and just wait till you're my age and you can look back. And <laughs> I remember when the millennials were just a new thing, right? And, and uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah anyways and you know what it I think that just gives all of us hope in that you know as long as we're trying and as long as we're curious and it goes you know it goes both ways Um, you know your patience with me when it's like Susan did you plug it in (laughs) I don't think I've been quite that bad no (laughs) but but our patience with one another and the recognition that um, we do come with different backgrounds, different experiences, and that just makes this beautifully rich, um, wonderful environment that uh, that we get to work and, and play in together. Right. And while you have won a number of awards 
for being the most outstanding student, no surprise. You're a mentor. You continue to share your talents and your obvious passion um, with the intent of making things better, everything you touch. I personally am so grateful to have had the opportunity to work with you and to learn with you. Um, and of course, a shout out to the fabulous HR team at CapU. Um, and I look really forward to watching you continue to, um, to work your magic and to help Capilano University become uh, the very best that they can be and to, uh, to make all of the objectives of Envision 2030. It is time for us to call this to a close. Um, if anyone wishes to reach out to you, I think you're prepared to provide your contact information. Um, if anyone's got a question or wants to dig deeper with you on the subject of, of Gen Z or uh, to listen to the YouTube videos, um, you've got a number of them on, on the YouTube channel. Um, it is time for us to say goodbye. Um, remember, my tagline, dare to soar, because we believe that you, and we're talking about all the generations now, have caught the capability of doing that. Um, until next time, Amal, thank you so very much for saying yes and chatting, chatting with us today about Gen Z. Um, My pleasure. <laughs> Amal and so Susan much. signing out. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Bye for now. Well, we've reached our destination for today. Time to lower those wheels and prepare for landing. Thank you for joining me. If I said something that resonated with you, please subscribe to the podcast and to share it with others. It would be awesome if you also took the time to provide a review, whatever your favorite social media sites are. If you have a question or an area that you hope I'll cover in a future session, please send me a note either to my website, www.effectingchangefromwithin.com or to my email, susangenay at gmail.com. I look forward to our next time together. In the meantime, soar high. I believe you can. Susan signing off. Thanks again for joining me.